Welcome everybody to another episode of the Body IO podcast on redundantly Body IO FM. Uh, I want to wish everybody a happy Thanksgiving if you're in the United States or if you have spent significant time in the United States and you tend to celebrate Thanksgiving wherever you are in the world. Uh, I hope it's a great day for everybody. Uh, Obviously in the U.S. and around the world, there's another surge of the coronavirus, COVID-19. And I know particularly in the United States, Thanksgiving is a really big time to for the family to get together and I know that this message is obviously too late but for those of you visiting family I hope you were as safe as you possibly could be and that maybe anybody of the older generations in your family stayed away to stay safe and for those of you who have chosen not to go visit family and are possibly spending Thanksgiving alone this year. I know that can be really difficult for a lot of people on the holidays. Uh, Like myself here, uh, I spend most holidays alone. It's just me and Cooper. And it's a little easier here because the outside festivities don't reflect anything going on necessarily at the normal times of year for me. So I understand it's difficult, but I hope everybody's staying safe. I hope you're enjoying some really good food. Uh, There's a lot of stuff coming up here soon. December is going to wrap up the year and a lot of loose ends. Uh, There's a new book. that It's a short book, kind of like Nicotine Declassified, a short, helpful manual, hopefully coming out next week. I was really hoping I could get it done and out by Black Friday tomorrow, but that's not going to happen, but we're close, so hopefully it'll be out soon. It's on, I I thought my first small, the the start to the first series of small books would be about brain power and mental performance, because I think that's highly underrated in a lot of aspects of life these days, especially with social media and everything hogging everybody's time. And it's also really underappreciated when it comes to athletic performance. You know, the better tuned your brain is for performance, the better that it can operate a body that's tuned for performance. So it's going to be really help. Uh, We just have a working title right now, so I can't tell you what the title of it is, but that'll be out soon. And it covers, we touch on behavior, things that you should avoid, but also diet sleep, supplements that are kind of crucial to brain health, uh, and also all the exciting drugs that people like to play with and experiment with. Uh, Most of them are garbage, uh, but I do talk about the ones that are extremely useful and how to use them, which is really important. You don't want to use any kind of cognitive enhancer that's pharmaceutical-based, if you don't know what you're doing because yeah you might be able to go three months with a couple hours of sleep every night but you've actually done significant damage to your brain and you'll never think as well as as before uh, whenever you stop using those enhancements so talk about all of that Uh, hopefully everybody will find it useful 
And uh, on today's podcast, it's another one-on-one consultation uh, with David. We talk about everything from how fat cells work, we go over some blood work, how you can try to start to alter some of your hormone levels, what to look for when you do start to see alterations, uh, missing blood tests that are often done, particularly well in males and females, but David being a male, uh, we talk about blood panels that are often overlooked that are critically important, and briefly touch upon how to read those in certain circumstances and what you should be trying to do to change those in a positive way. Uh, and I talk about body AI at the end a little bit and also possible returns to the United States. Of course, with COVID surging, that makes it more and more difficult, but we'll see. So I hope everybody is having a safe and as festive of a Thanksgiving holiday as possible. And for those of you who aren't celebrating, I hope that you are safe and able to socialize enough to keep yourself sane. And uh, so that's it. I'll let her, let her play from here. All right, I hope everybody enjoys. So your your question here was, are you getting enough protein and you're not for your height and your weight, even though um, you, you have the excess body fat that you're trying to lose, uh, your protein's deficient. And that's probably contributing to a lot of your joint problems. You know, one thing that's lost. So one reason I dislike the current keto community is they've all just jumped on a bandwagon. They haven't done the research to know what a ketogenic diet does. They just know that it does, you know, it helps blood pressure, blood sugar, uh, cholesterol, triglycerides, things like that, but they don't understand what it does. And one of the things it does is it actually doubles the rate of breakdown and synthesis of protein in the body and specifically in skin and connective tissue and somewhat in the muscle. So, you've doubled that and some of the some of what's broken down is recycled in the synthesis but you you still lose a lot so that alone forces you to have to increase your protein intake and that's also where i'm sure you've seen it a, a, a bunch of times people are like oh there's this magic uh calorie advantage on a ketogenic diet your body somehow burns an extra 100 calories a day when you go ketogenic well that's actually a super simple calculation if you look at the excess protein breakdown and synthesis breakdown and synthesis both take energy and when you double those rates it turns out for the average person that equals about 100 extra calories a day okay so so i mean that just reinforces the fact that you if you're on ketogenic diet or carbonite also you need to pick up your protein and if you don't you're going to feel it in the joints uh your skin is going to be lower quality so it can't tighten up when you do lose weight and i think you kind of mentioned experiencing that your skin's not tightening up as you would expect mm-hmm. yeah I feel, I feel like 
I can feel, I feel good underneath. I feel like it's in there, but it's mm-hmm. this layer that I just can't get to, to get rid of. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think that's in your macro makeup. You're eating, you're, you're actually eating a good amount for maintenance if you didn't have the excess body fat. So you need to balance that out a little bit so that your body can mobilize as much body fat as possible every day. And and that's limited. Like you can't just not eat any fat and your body's going to take all of it from what you have on you. It can't, it's rate limited. Right. Uh, so that's why I said if you if you just cut either breakfast or your dinner, if you just cut the fat that you have in one of those two meals in half, you're going to be pretty close to forcing your body to mobilize the maximum amount of fat that it can. What's uh, so at my weight? Are you thinking around 200 grams of protein a day is where I need to be? Yeah, you well your weight and your active and you need to get some tissue repair going because you, you are weight training, you are, um, doing exercise, even, even though you're not doing the golf right now, um, you need to repair that tissue. So yeah, you're going to be somewhere in the range of a gram per pound of body weight. Okay. I mean, 200 grams will be plenty for you. Even like 180, you're going to feel the difference. Okay. And, you know, I think, you know, to comment on that, which I think might be, you, you know, a lot of these keto people are out there saying, you know, you got to watch your protein. If your protein goes too high, you know, it could knock you out of ketosis. So I think that's a good point for your listeners to, to not listen to that because they, they're trying to say 0.5 to 0.6 per pound. Yeah. Yeah. Keto, the being in ketosis doesn't matter at all. It's. It's yeah. a total canard. It's it, it's it's meaningless. So um, 200, 200 grams of protein, 135 to 150 fat. So mm-hmm. that that means to me that I've got to get some leaner protein in there. Probably, would you agree with that? Yeah, I actually I like your the makeup of your breakfast, especially since you're going kind of um, quite a few hours essentially before your next big meal, uh, like. I think your breakfast is pretty good. Like the ratios there are pretty good. Um, But, you know, if you switch up your, you could add some, some protein to breakfast, but you know, if you cut the fat out of your dinner and add a little more and add some protein there, I think a, you're going to start feeling better and B it's it's going to match all of your needs better as well. Your, your body's needs. I think one thing that is interesting, you know, as I did this and I wrote these, you know, these numbers down, you know, eating like ground beef versus a steak, Mm -hmm. I'll eat a pound of steak or a pound of ground beef. The difference in the fat is, is 120 for the ground beef and 28 for the steak. Yeah. (laughs) I think that's a good note for your listeners. Like, you've got to kind of look a little bit because just cause you're eating meat, you could really be, I mean, I looked at that and I was like, Holy crap, that is a totally different day. And you know, what's yeah. funny? I always tell my wife, I feel so much better when I eat the steak. Yep. Yeah. That's, that's when you said that earlier, that's what I was going to recommend 
you know, you stick with steak more often or even, you know, salmon, you just, you just don't really have to add anything to the sand, like things like that. Right. Right. Um, that are leaner, plenty of protein. You're going to feel a lot better. And just because you just mentioned them, I want to touch on you. You said you're having the leg cramps and things like that. That is most likely, especially looking at your, at, um, self-assessment you sent me it's most likely you're deficient in calcium well i i wanted to as i kind of mentioned when i sent this to you i was referring back to kind of the last year and i mentioned i did that six weeks of keto and when my thyroid kind of crashed the cramps were just brutal Mm -hmm. and um as i got back into carbonite i was still kind of doing i was trying to do like a low-fat carbonite (laughs) Mm-hmm. I, and it was just when I ate those first carbs, I, you know, I might have like chicken and rice and barbecue sauce or like a, a, fat, a fat free frappuccino within an hour, I would get the worst leg cramps. And I've kind of drifted back to not worrying about that and having more fat. And I mentioned the coconut milk, which I think has a lot of calcium in it. And I've like literally in the last month not had cramp problems. But I still think it's a good topic for discussion for your listeners because I think that's something people go through. So does that make sense because I've increased the fat that, that they've gone away? Um, yeah, but maybe not for the reasons you're thinking. Uh, what happens when you're low when you have low fat carbonates is you get a big big rush of glucose to the muscles and everything else, and I mean they go into energy processing overload. Which is fine. Problem is in your muscle tissue, that burns up a lot of calcium. And so if you're deficient on calcium, that huge load of glucose basically extinguishes your calcium reserves. And then the muscles can't contract or relax properly. So you start getting cramping and it can be really bad. Um, So by by having more fat in those carbonates, you slow down the rate of glucose that enters the system and slowing that rate down prevents the calcium from being blown out so quickly. So you avoid a lot of the cramping and things like that. Okay. Um, Yeah, I would, if you supplement with calcium, I mean, it's just, I mean, 99 out of a hundred times, that's the problem. It'll just go away. Isn't, doesn't coconut milk have a fair amount of, like, don't they advertise that that has actually more calcium than regular milk? Um, I wouldn't be so sure of that unless it's fortified. Okay. Hold on. I got to check that out now. I think they advertise that. I, I drink the, uh, the So Delicious unsweetened vanilla. Uh-huh. Um, it says there's 16 milligrams. I'm probably drinking three glasses a day. Which I'm yeah, bummed. it has one-tenth the amount of calcium of milk. Okay. So, <laughs> so I, I mean, the So brand, they started with soy stuff, and they're used to dumping shit tons of minerals and vitamins into their products. Um, so they might fortify it with calcium. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I'm not saying that's bad. I haven't. I have no uh, 
I mean, obviously, I don't like soy milk, but I have nothing against the the So Delicious Company or whatever the whatever their new moniker is. So, I guess since we're on that subject of of the company not eating fat, could I be doing too much? You know, what should that be looking like? Um, on, on the carbonate itself? Yeah. Um. Let me just tell you my last one. I just did one on okay. pizza. I had I had an apple fritter and a, a decaf fat-free milk frappuccino. I did have the whipped cream because I've gone away from not doing so much low fat. And then for dinner, I had a burger with a sweet potato, and we went out for ice cream. That was about three or four hours later. Yeah, that's that's, that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, there's no worry from the fat, from the donuts. No. Okay. And I will mention that I went, I did go 11 days. And and that was another question I I had was how important is that 10 day, you know, period? Because I've definitely been times where you go eight days and you're working out a lot and you just, you can feel you need carbs. I, I think that's a good question too for everyone out there is how important is that? And are there times when certain people, maybe like me, need to go a few days longer? Well, so first, let's not worry about the people out there. Okay. <laughs> this, this is like this is your conversation. Okay, so, right. you. I, I mean, you you actually you have a lot of common problems. So, quite a few people are going to take something from this anyway. Okay, good. Uh, so let's so let's not worry about the people out there listening to this. Uh, let's worry about you and I, I just forgot what I was about to say. How important is the 10 day? Oh, the 10 day. Yeah. That's, that's why it lost me. So it's the 10 days is only for the induction period. Right. But, but let's say you're, you know, the last couple months I've been going along and I've been, you know, there's been a day where I was depleted and after five days I had carbs and then maybe I went out for a weekend and had two nights of carbs. So let's say we're, we're, you know, and I think you mentioned in the book and I know that was years ago that, you know, to be safe, go ahead and do the induction period again. Yeah. Most people. So in reference to the carb night book that was written for sedentary people who needed to start to become healthy. Okay. Uh, you're not sedentary. So, and you're working out and you're doing weightlifting training sometimes, sometimes multiple times a week, you know, three days a week, you said like Friday, Saturday, and Sunday at times. So that's not necessarily going to apply to you, you know, you, and you also said, you know, in the, the document you send me that you're very sensitive to that stuff. So if you know, you're depleted, there's no issue with having your carbs early. Okay. So it sounds like the macros are more important because, right? I mean, getting these numbers right. I mean, yeah, getting getting your numbers during the low carbohydrate period, that's the main focus here cuz those those carbs on a carb night, I mean, they serve one of two purposes. One, if you're just trying to get health and lose body fat, um then you need those carbs to keep your metabolism functioning at a peak rate. So that's one. And basically everybody 
almost everybody in the United States needs that because if they're on a ketogenic diet for too long, they've slowed their system down. It's not repairing itself. It's not running optimally to get rid of their body fat. I mean, there's all kinds of serious issues with going ketogenic if you're already sick. Um, and, and the other thing that it's for is to recomp glycogen stores if you're doing any type of athletic activity. So you fall into both of those categories. Okay. And so it's totally appropriate. If you feel depleted, then yes, you probably do need to move your carb night up. And after five days, you, you might need some carbs. Um, that's totally appropriate. Or you've felt super depleted. You've been holding to the once a week. And so you have carbs for two days in a row. Again, totally appropriate. Your muscles are going to store that and you're going to use it appropriately in your situation. So, so I think my fear was always, I was ruining something or I was preventing it, but, but like, again, it's really the, the fat protein numbers that are, are, are not letting things happen like I want. Correct. You're, I mean, those numbers are actually great if you were already at the body fat you wanted to be and the activity level you're at, you you almost have them nailed. But the problem with having them nailed now is that your body then doesn't have any reason to access your body fat stores. So you're saying if I do get to where I want to be having that, that, having a little bit lower protein and higher fat would be good. Uh, I mean, I, I think in your situation, you always, you're going to want to keep that protein bumped up, but having the lower fat, well, I mean, when you get to where you want to be having your fat about where it is now is about right. Okay. And you just need to bump up your protein levels. Okay. So, so as, as, as you've been saying in, in a lot of your recent stuff is as you get leaner, you need to eat more fat. Yeah, that's correct. And and it's a moving target, so I can't – I mean, I could tell you how to calculate that, but you'd need to use Wolfram Alpha or something to to get that out perfect. And Or, you know, Body AI, which we're getting close on, so that can, that can answer those questions. Well, hopefully I'll be – by the time that comes out, I'll be closer to where I want to be. And then I can yeah. Well, e- even if you're not, then – it'll help you get those fat levels right now because it'll pretty much nail how much fat your body can provide for energy. And then the, the deficit is what you would eat. So even before that, it's, it nails it for you and it changes in time because as you lose body fat, of course, the system's sensitive to that. So it adjusts all that stuff easily on the fly for you. Um, but but right now, just from all your information, I can tell you, you need to drop, you know, about 40 or 50, 55 grams of fat from your diet every day. And increase 50 grams of protein. Yeah, yeah, at least. Can you, can just real quick to follow up on that, what would be the sign of I need more fat? Uh, I You know, I wouldn't worry about it. Okay. You're... You're not gonna. Um, uh, this the sign would show up in blood work before you'd feel it. Okay. At the macros I just told you. Or visually. Um, I mean that that's the problem. Like visually, you'll you'll be looking the way you want to look. Okay. 
so but you still might have enough body fat to continue to provide that deficit. So without some running average to adjust to your new body fat levels, like the first place significantly it would show up is in your blood work. But I mean, I just, I wouldn't worry about it Okay. right now. I mean, you've, you've got a while before you need to worry about it. Okay, good. Yeah. Um, let's see here. So any follow-up on our testosterone discussion about taking the pregnenolone, anything else I need to be doing to control the estrogen or? Um, well, so that's a mixed bag, right? As we get your diet adjusted and as you start losing body fat again, those things are going to change. Okay. Uh, so, well, they should change. So without knowing what's going to happen, I can't say ex what I would say now is what I would tell. Well, if, if I were going to go just all out, let's say I'm just assuming that all pharmacol all pharmacological aids are on the table. Uh, my recommendation would be for at least the next two months, uh, somebody in your position would want to be on an anti-estrogen or an anti-aromatase to help bring those levels down because estrogen has a long half-life and your estrogen levels are elevated. So that's going to work against you through this, through the next several months. Um, but you don't, your testosterone levels are great. Well, they're not great. They're good. So you, you know, you don't need to supplement with testosterone or anything like that. It's your elevated estrogen levels I would be concerned with. Um, so if everything was on the table, that's what I would say. If not everything is on the table, I'd say, well, we have to wait and see how your body adjusts over the next month or is to that, two months. Is that a prescription for that, for an anti-estrogen or anti, you said aromatase, is that right? Correct. Uh, yeah, those are both prescription. Uh, usually doctors don't normally in the States anyway, they don't have a problem prescribing those off label because there's no legal stigmatization around them at all. Um, so you can talk to your doctor about that if you so want. If I'm looking at my labs, um, is it under estrogen serum? Yeah, you have the estrogen serum, and then you also have the estrone reading. And those are both on the, I mean, they're, they're on the high end. You should be on the low end. So at, at, at 46 is high? Yeah, you're on the high end of the scale, yeah. And you're saying I, you know, going on something like that for a couple months would bring it down and then you would go off of it or roll so regardless, changing your diet and getting that nailed down, it's going to make it go down. The problem yeah. is you have high levels now and those right. levels in your system are working against you. So what we would want to do if we wanted to really optimize this process is take something that blocks the action of the estrogen you have. Okay. So, so the, the levels will come down naturally. The stopping block is what's there now. I see. So that's why you just got to take it for a couple months, and then hopefully with the change in diet, it'll be a moot point, and you'll no longer need the prescription. 
Correct. It's just an adjunct to help get you on your way, essentially. Can you, can you, you said anti aromatase. Can you spell that for me? Oh, uh, Aramidex might be easier. I can, I'll type it in Skype. Okay. Okay. Uh, actually, I can do that now. Is there a, is there a specific, uh, like a, a prescription name for that? Or is that what you're? Well, Aramidex is the prescription one. Where is, I'll type it after this. I don't see where that, okay. type. Right. oh, here it is. There we go. Um, that's the anti-aromatase and, um, that's an anti-estrogen and there's another one that's toramiphene, I think I'll have to look that one up, but that's pretty close to the right spelling. So I would need one of those. Just yeah, anything? just okay. one of those. So if I go to my doctor and ask him, I'm sure he's going to say, why do you want this? <laughs> yeah, probably. You might also want to look at, uh, I didn't see, he didn't do any labs on luteinizing hormone or follicle stimulating hormone. Okay. Uh, without that, if, if I had those numbers, I could tell you if you need this one instead, clomiphene. Okay. Um, but I didn't see those numbers, so I don't know if that's the best one out of the four or not from the numbers I have, I would say probably the best one out of the four is the teremaphine. Okay. Teremaphine. Yeah. I'll, I'll get the better spellings for you to make sure okay. I have the okay. right spellings. That'll show up later in our chat, right? Yeah. 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 But if I didn't do that, uh, it's just going to slow your progress. That's all. Okay. So that would kind of, fa that would fast track a little. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's not just fast tracking. So, you know, you've got your hypothalamus, pituitary, adrenal, um, uh, testicular axis. And so when any of those components get out of whack, they throw the others out of whack and your estrogen is currently out of whack. So it's throwing all the others out of whack. Um, so, you know, and we want to try to get you to optimal as quickly as possible. That's, that's always the goal. Now, how about my, my testosterone and, you know, basically what my doctor told me was I would just continue to take this pregnenolone 75, you know, six days a week. Do you agree with that or will it come up, do you think? I mean, it's coming up now, so I don't have enough data points to say if that's going to continue in the right direction. And depending on how things go with uh, what we see happen with your T3, your reverse T3 levels are actually um, – those concern me more. We want to see those go down. Uh, your TSH is at, is at a good level. Your testosterone, I'd still want to see it come up some more, but I'd really want to see the estrogen levels drop as well. Um, and then I, I really want to see uh, luteinizing hormone 
just to see where you are there. If it's super high, then we have other problems we have to worry about. If it's super low, then everything should kind of course correct. Um, but I don't know which one of those two it is. Um, so so I can't can't give you I can't give you my full estimation on exactly exactly what we're going to see over the next two months is what I'm trying to say in a more than complicated way that I probably didn't need to do. <laughs> so, okay, so I'm going to try try and get one of these anti-estrogen prescriptions and just obviously keep on the pregnenolone because that's, that's what brought my testosterone up. Um, I mean, do you want me to try and get some other tests done? The things you're mentioning? Um, I mean, it's one of those things where if I have the extra information, it would only tweak what I'm telling you right now slightly. Okay. Um, so I, personally if i were in your position i wouldn't worry about it unless in you know two or three months stuff's feels out of whack again or you know stuff's just not happening okay 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 so that covers uh kind of the blood work part of it or the and the testosterone i mean i I, I was taking a hundred pregnenolone and it seemed to be a little higher. I mean, I could take a little more Any downside to that or you sounds like you want it higher. So should I take more of that? Uh, you know, the 75 to hundred milligrams is fine. So we're, we're in this regime at the moment. So I'm coming into this mid, um, mid adjustment, okay. let's say. You know, because you've already added some stuff, your blood work is currently changing, and I'm coming in mid-flux. So with that being said, I also would like to mess with as few variables as possible. So continue taking the 75 milligrams of pregnenolone. And try to bring the estrogen down would be your ad, ad. Correct. Okay. Great. Um, so the additional protein, I'm just going through some of my notes here, would be should help some of the joint problems. Um, it did, did I, I mean? Hear, go ahead. Did I, if I'm recalling right from your paper, you said you don't do a lot of dairy. It makes you feel, eh. You know, if if I I'll eat some cheese, um, but I don't like a lot. I mean, um, a lot, yes, can make me feel kind of bloated and fat, but it just could be because of my, you know, my blood work, right? But what were you going to recommend? Uh, well, I was going to ask, and you said you've tried all kinds of different protein powders, so I assume you've tried, like, casein-based ones. Yeah. Um, how do you feel about cottage cheese? Does that mess with you too much? Um, I've tried it before. I mean, it's been a while. Don't don't love the just the overall texture and just the um, but you like that as a protein source. Well, yeah, I mean the the casein in it is great because it does release slowly over time. It also does a good job of um, being stored in the splachnic bed, so you'll have 
plenty. You'll have ample protein to release in the periods when you're not eating. Uh, and, and also it could kind of help when you have your coconut milk thing, you can try it. You know, my midday meal used to always be cottage cheese and a handful of almonds. Okay. That was kind of because your three o'clock slump that you described, that's actually a good sign. That means your cortisol rhythms are in sync. Like you should feel a slump at about three o'clock every day. That's not abnormal. That's actually a good sign. Um, And I used to all the time too. And so when I wasn't working, when I was in periods of my life when I couldn't work out at that time, like the cottage cheese and almonds like helped bring me back up up out of that without without any lethargy later in the day or anything like that so that might be something you want to try what's the um, fat content in the cottage cheese is it hmm? like, how's the fat protein ratio in the cottage cheese well you can get low fat cottage cheese and then it's i mean really good okay yeah that's why we get it because i don't like the full fat cottage cheese i like the like one percent and two percent right uh, so it has a lot lower fat, really heavy on the protein. The texture is a little drier, which is why I liked it more. Okay. Um, so you can try it. If if that doesn't work, I mean, there's – oh, I'd have to think. You know, it's – you know, it, well, if it doesn't work, then animal – other animal proteins are your, your best go-to then. Some kind of like meats or fish, whatever, stuff like that. That's your – so it isn't, best that, it isn't that I need like a, you know, a quick burning fat to get my energy back up. That really has nothing to do with it. No, no. So if, you know, it, it's a really good sign. People think that afternoon, people are used to that afternoon crash having something to do with carbohydrates. And if you're on a carb-based diet, it, it, it probably is related to that. But if you're not you have a natural cortisol rise around two o'clock. And when you come off of that, you start to feel kind of tired, lethargic. And if your rhythms are in sync, then you're going to start feeling tired around three o'clock. I mean, that's if you're a man, women have a slightly different cycle. They have three peaks during the day. But uh, so that's actually a good sign. Okay. That, that you're experiencing that, uh, you know, the, the only thing you're concerned about is coming out of it and feeling better for the rest of the day. And a, a small, I mean, you have that covered. So I'm just trying to make a suggestion to help you get more protein without a lot of additional fat. And it's a really good source of protein. Right. You know, and I'm going to need to do that and looking at the things I'm eating and drinking the coconut milk. I mean, I'm going to, to cut that fat back. So I think that's a great suggestion. I'll definitely try it. I'll right. eat, I, I can eat whatever. I mean, it isn't like I don't like cottage cheese. I just, um, I'll try it. What's your thought on, uh, you mentioned the almonds. Um, you know, I do, again, being sensitive, uh, if I do eat a higher ratio of omega-6s, I definitely feel sore. Um, I definitely, go ahead. Well, then. Try, try macadamias instead. They're almost all monounsaturated fat. They're not omega-6s. They're omega-9s. I just used all... When I did it, I just used almonds because they're convenient. And they're 
they're I always got them really salty, so they complemented the the cottage cheese really well. That I mean, there's there's nothing special about you could you could use anything you want for that fat source. Okay. But okay. macadamia nuts, if you have problems with omega sixes, macadamia nuts are almost all monounsaturated fat. They're almost all omega nines. So. Good. That's good. How about uh, you know on that subject? How about you know, I do struggle too with lectins, I feel like, or, or I don't know if that's the struggle, but like tomatoes, things that they claim they have lectins are, are those, uh, things that people really do deal with. I know you talk about the tomato having so many. Well, yeah, it's got a ton of carcinogens in it, but any plant food that you eat has a ton of carcinogens in it. It's not yeah. just tomatoes. It's just I think tomatoes are interesting because they have a lot of things in them that we've identified as carcinogens. But I've pretty much eliminated all all <laughs> of that stuff from from my life, and I don't I don't miss it one bit. I enjoy a salad once in a while, but I mean, yeah, it it only seems to cause problems. Yeah, it's totally unnecessary. Like I said, I chose the nuts because it's super convenient. They have fat. They're the almonds aren't high in carbs because I only had, you know, a, a small handful with mm-hmm. the cottage cheese and they just complimented the cottage cheese. You know, there's no magic to them in that formula. I mean, if you wanted, which, I, you know, I did at times if I didn't have nuts around, I would add a little bit of uh, extra virgin olive oil and pepper to the cottage cheese, which makes a great combination. Like it's that's. That's a pretty good combination as well. Okay. Olive oil. Yeah. And you just, all you need to do is really drizzle it on there. You know, you don't need a lot and it, it, depending on your palate, it could make it taste amazing. Okay. Uh, how about stimulants? Um, I, I kind of mentioned in there that I've definitely tried all of your recommendations. Uh, I don't do well with caffeine. I've done nicotine. Um, or do some people just not do well with those things? Yeah. Um, caffeine in particular, uh, you know, nicotine too. What I find interesting is, uh, you're, you, you, it sounded like you're particularly sensitive to caffeine. Is that correct? I've done caffeine in the past, and and I just get this feeling like if I drink it after noon, I can't sleep. I get this feeling that my blood is boiling, like my veins are popping out, and um, I just – I definitely think I have a sensitivity to it. Yeah, and the other thing that strikes me as interesting coupled with that is – your chocolate that you add to your coconut milk in your three o'clock or yeah. well so is that real chocolate it it's it's from a company called new naturals it, it mm-hmm. is chocolate i can grab it real quick and tell you what's in it yeah because if that's the case um Glycerin water, organic cocoa, whiskey extract. Okay, so usually people who have a caffeine sensitivity, a little bit of chocolate goes a long way in bringing back their alertness. And that's because it contains theobromine, which 
caffeine is a methyl methylxanthine, just like theophylline in tea and theobromine in chocolate. And theobromine is really slow acting. So if you have a caffeine sensitivity, chocolate, or at least the caffeine, the methylxanthine in chocolate, theobromine, is a great minor pick-me-up, which you seem to have stumbled on on your own. You know what? I, you know what's funny because I have we buy um, Lily's chocolate bars, which I'll I'll it's like six parts. I'll break off a third of it, and it's about it ends up being about six carbs. So I'll have that with my glass of chocolate milk, and that's kind of my when I'm on low carb. That's my carb. That's my treat. Mm-hmm. I mean. You're right. I can tell you that that has made me feel so much better. Like, and I'll have that probably twice a day, you know? Yeah. So there, there's your stimulant. You know, you've already found it. It's working for you. Uh, I, you know, I wouldn't mess with it. I don't, in particular, I don't, me- well, sorry, in general, I don't mess with stimulants. Uh, with an individual unless there's a really good reason Uh, here's what I found or feel especially I had a really big crash a couple weeks ago I I was actually I was drinking a little bit of decaf and having my nicotine and then the next thing I knew I was doing it every day and I just crashed and I felt terrible for three days and you know, my whole line of thinking is if I'm always stimulating my workout or if I'm always stimulating myself in the morning, like when am I living in my natural state, you know, and, and I've gone off of it and I feel so much better. And yeah, sometimes I got to drag my ass out of bed in the morning to get to the gym. But once I get going, it just seems better. I don't know if that's makes sense to you or if that's. Yeah, it, it does. That's why. You know, I'm okay with caffeine. Nicotine can be advantageous um, if it's cycled properly and you're really focused on fat loss. And in sports, uh, depending on the sport and the level, then stimulants can play a role. For everyday kind of activity and, you know, even somewhat elevated you really don't need the stimulants. And so I try not to mess with stimulants unless there's a good reason. And, um, that, you know, I think that's a position you're in. You, you have actually found the stimulant that I would recommend in your situation. You found it on your own and it's working. So don't mess with it. By the way, did you just crack a Red Bull? No, I did not. Oh, I thought I heard something. I thought you. No, oh, I was playing with a USB drive and I just dropped it on the desk. Okay. Um. Okay, I've got. Let's see some other questions. I'm just, you know, stuff I just wrote down. Uh, how many? I, I on your last podcast, I thought it was interesting when you, you were talking to the gentleman and you said, you know, you, you, you he was going to the gym and you said you probably burned about 30, 30 grams of carbs which actually was kind of shocking to me. Like how, how much, how many grams of carbs do you hold in your body? And then how much do you burn in a workout? Well, I mean, you, you store, it really varies person to person. You store about a hundred grams 
in your situation, you're at around the you'll you could store up to 100 grams in your liver, and distributed throughout the rest of your body, you're storing another 300 grams maximum. If you're well, if you're at maximum standard capacity, there's also maximum capacity, which is double that. Uh, I I doubt you're in a situation where you experience that too often. Um, but yeah, you, it, let's say you're working your leg muscles, which are some of your bigger muscles, depending on how your workout's going, you really won't blow through a lot of carbs in the muscle. Oh. Um, in, unless you're specifically training to blow out the carbs and then you can blow them out pretty fast. But most workouts aren't structured that way, especially if you're doing typical weight training that most people do. Like you said, you do. Uh, if I get any of this wrong, I'm trying to. Re- I'm remembering your Word document. I'm not. I don't have it in front of me. So if I remember any of this wrong, correct me. But um, I think you you said you do eight reps. You don't like to go under eight reps. So my guess is you're always at eight reps or eight to twelve reps. Maybe is your range. Yeah, hmm? I've actually kind of switched back to doing the the is it called the elect training the five five. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the problem I have is I can't go heavy because of my wrists. Right. Um. You know, and that's been a change the last couple of weeks. Going, I when I started back up, I was doing like three eight. I tried three sets of six, but it was too heavy. Mm-hmm. But I really like the five five. I don't know why, and you know, you could probably tell me why, but. I just feel stronger. The workout feels better. Plus, I'm I'm kind of a hypertension kind of guy, and I I can't stand sitting there in between sets, you know, mm-hmm. a three ten. And I just like the continuous movement aspect of it. So, well, yeah, people people really focus on the weight when you work out, and it's not just the weight; it's the force. Right. And the force isn't just how much weight is on the bar it's how fast you're accelerating it and how fast you turn around so that really pumps up the force without providing a lot of the excess extraneous forces on your joints so it probably feels a lot better on your wrists in particular because they have such multi-directional capacity and for my sport being golf and needing fast twitch muscle activation, would you say that's the appropriate, what I should be doing? Pretty much. Yeah. So it's not just having the fast twitch muscle. It's also optimizing the nervous system to fully release the capacity on command. Okay. And the elect training and the PSR, those things, those actually work in that direction. They're not optimal for it, but they do work it more so in that direction. So, yeah, for golf, you know, that's the idea. You, Your body needs to release as much force potential as possible as quickly as possible, just like a pitcher in baseball. They need to unleash the entire mechanical force that their muscle can produce, even though they don't have the weight behind it to compensate. And, you know, golf is essentially the same same principle for that. So, yeah, the elect is a, the great choice for you. It's not only helping your muscles, but it's also optimizing the nervous system for That's your cool. activity. 
I mean, I, I did it. I've done it in the past when you came out with that, and it was felt so great. I think the last uh, last weekend and then this morning's workout, I did that. Now, I do – so day so Friday, I'll do upper body. Um, Saturday, I'll do lower body and just kind of standard lifts. And then Sunday is more core. I do some, like, rotational exercises, um, you know, things that are more golf-specific. Mm-hmm. Last weekend when I did that, I found that probably not didn't feel good on my back to do that elect training. Would you recommend that that should be more of like a three sets of 10 or 12? Um, I just felt like, you know, my back, I've had a back surgery and you know what I mean? Like if you're like, like pulling a tricep rope and you're kind of pulling it across your body into a golf swing. um, Ah, I see. Or I have a what's called a gray cook band, which you hook up to the pulley and you kind of twist yourself in it and you assume your golf position. Oh yeah, yeah. I've seen those. So, so the, wait, what what was your question exactly? So so to me, I I wouldn't think doing elect for those things would be as good an idea, but maybe focusing more on a lighter weight, a little bit higher reps. But I'd like your recommendation on that. On that third day, on that core training, which is more rotational, you know, I do I do crunches. Um, yeah, so with core exercises, you're not trying to get your core to produce uh, large amounts of power. That's not what it's designed for. It's designed for stabilization. So, yeah, you shouldn't really be doing elect with core-type exercises. Okay, what, what, what would be a good uh, – you know a set range three sets of 12 uh you know that really it really varies i mean for you well i mean you're you're training your core actually in a somewhat antithetical way to how the core is designed to function um and that being said you need to adjust your nervous system to function optimally outside of what it's designed to do so the multiple sets and higher reps is is the right regime for you to be in for your core for your core training you specifically okay that's what that's what i've kind of surmised from my past couple months of working it, it, like those first two days i'll do the elect training on more of the standard weightlifting exercises and then the core golf specific exercises i think like you're saying that seems yeah. to make sense to me so you're agreeing with that correct yeah i mean you have to realize and people usually train the core completely incorrectly you know they're trying to do all kinds of motions and those side bends and things like that that's not what the core is designed to do the core is designed to stabilize you during force production yeah i mean so, I, I don't do like anything that's twisting like mm-hmm. i not do a twisting crunch or a twist i will only do those twisting exercises when it includes a full body, like a follow through of a golf swing, you know, I'm sure I come off my back leg. Right. Exactly. That's, that's why I said you, you do in your instance have to use the core in a particular way. And in a way, the nervous system isn't innately primed for. So, so what you're doing is perfect because you are training your nervous system to work your core. It, 
in a more optimal direction towards your needs. So, so you know, what, your intuition on that it was spot on. Now, I got back to doing, I like to walk during the week, and I did get back to doing a little cardio because I've had more energy lately. But I've noticed, and I like to do like an elliptical. Um, they have one at the gym. I like to not use the arm part of it. But it seems like it kind of hurts my back. And I don't have any problem. You know, I did the 35-minute, you know, with the, the hit training. And I actually like the, that portion of it. But I've got to be sensitive to my back. So how important is cardio, any recommended machines that are better than other for the back? And well, with a caveat that I cannot sit, sitting is a big no-no for my back. So when I go to the gym, I never do anything that requires me to sit. Um, sitting okay, in general. So, so first you have to tell me what you mean by your back. Because, I mean, remember that your back, back starts at the nape and goes all the way down to your coccyx. <laughs> Uh, okay. So I had, uh, I had a herniated disc surgery on L3, L4. Okay. Uh, and I, I, I have a problem from there down to the S1, um, that I've, I've been thankfully been able to manage for the last, you know, 10, 15 years. Um, but I'm very sensitive to when, like I had a good routine going and then I feel like I added the elliptical and all of a sudden I can feel my my lower back is kind of sore and seizing up. Yeah. My, if I had to make a first guess, I mean, what you've got is, um, some antagonism going on in your training. So we just talked about your, your training, your core to act one particular way. And in training it to do that, you're training it to not hold force for long periods of time. So, what you're describing is what I am guessing is a lack of constant activation of your transverse abdominis when you're on the elliptical machine. That's going to allow your spine to move around, and at the end, you're going to feel that movement because oh. your your core wasn't activated correctly the whole time to hold your spine completely in place. So what does that mean? Suck my stomach in? Uh, yeah, that's basically a good start. <laughs> it's it's really hard to train people to activate their TVA correctly because the, the usual advice is, you know, do the stomach vacuum thing, like suck your gut in and that just activates them. Well, it doesn't. It partially activates them. You know, when you do that, well, I don't even like I know how to describe it. I know what I feel. OK, but. So when I activate my TVA, I'm actually pulling my the bottom of my rib cage in and down. And I can feel that motion in it. And that's the TVA a activating. So the bottom of your rib cage is up above above your belly button. So you're pulling it like downward towards your lower spine. Correct. It's pulling inward. So it's compressing. And yeah, it pulls slightly down and back towards the spine. I just stood up to do that. So, so as opposed to pulling down by your pelvis up, which would be your first instinct to suck your stomach in, you're saying you pull it down and in from below your rib cage. Yes, and it will change your breathing. You know you have your TVA activated okay. when your breathing changes. Your chest no longer goes in and out. Your diaphragm goes up and down. 
So, well, your chest still goes in and out, obviously, but not not nearly as much. The diaphragm starts pulling up and down. I can feel. I'm doing it right now. I can almost feel it. Yeah, athletes have a much easier time activating it just because their nervous system is already more advanced than the average person. So, so you think that will take care of it, and I can still do the cardio? Yeah, you know, I would just stay on the elliptical as long as you can hold that really tight. Over time, you'll be able to stay on it longer, but once you can no longer hold that tight, you know, just stop the elliptical. And you said it was activating my transverse abdominals. Correct. TVA for short. Awesome. Okay, we talked about... So that's good. That covers all my workout stuff. Um, uh, don't worry about keeping fat low on carb night, you said? Correct. Yeah, the carb night you described is spot on. What if you overeat carbs on carb night? Where do the carbs go? Uh, you know, that's an interesting question. <laughs> um, I mean, a, a large, uh, and I'm sure you felt this, a large portion can be burned off as excessive heat. Um, and a surprisingly large amount, depending on how fast they enter your system. So like your ice cream and your like apple fritter, I think it was, uh, a lot of that actually gets cleared out in your urine. Like your kidneys can dump a hundred grams of carbohydrates over an eight to 12 hour period. So when you overeat, it usually dumps over into the kidneys because the the rest of the body is actually not primed to take the carbs but the kidneys since they haven't had glucose to upregulate certain uh, glucose transporters so if you eat glucose a lot the kidneys actually adapt with transporters to suck the glucose back into the body for energy use Okay. Well, when you're not eating carbs, those downregulate. So as the glucose comes through to get filtered out, there's nothing to pull it back in. So you piss out a lot of glucose. Or sorry about the, okay. uh, the kind of ribald nature of my statement, but you basically piss out the excess glucose. Okay. I guess that was kind of the question. So and it sounds like based what I've told you, I'm eating the right amount for my carb night. It isn't. It isn't not enough, and it, I'm not overdoing it. Yeah, no, you sound fine. Is there, like fat, is there a cap on to how much glucose you can burn in a day? Uh, there is. I mean, all of those things are rate limited. There's, you know, there's only so much protein you can synthesize in your muscles in a day. Um, there's a maximum rate that you can mobilize from fat from fat cells. There's a maximum rate that you can get glucose into muscles and the liver for storage and there's a maximum rate that you can get it out um so yeah all those things are rate limited is it possible and this goes back to kind of how i would feel in the past and i feel better now but you know i i kind of made the comment that you know on a carb night i feel good one to two days out of the week mm-hmm. um, it, you know should you be feeling good if the ratios are good i mean generally speaking I mean, in the past, it would be like after the carb night, the first day, I would feel bloated, but pretty good, you know, energy throughout the day. Then the next two to three days would be like brutal, 
tired. I feel like I have this sticky glue in me that I'm trying to get out. Mm-hmm. Then I have this euphoric day or day or two, and then I'd feel depleted. I mean, is that pretty normal, or is that because of my the ratios of what I'm eating? Uh, I, th- that cycle is pretty typical. You know, the exact days that those things happen on vary person to person, but that's that's not atypical. I, you know, that you're. It, it sounds like more like kind of mental lethargy that feels like also physical lethargy that that last two days. Uh-huh. Um, well, I would, it's odd, but it's not odd in your situation. Um, you know, what just I did- because you, you did, well, you, you do, um, have a lot of that legacy damage. Mm-hmm. metabolic damage you know you have your the legacy of that that you're going to be dealing with so over time the more you sink into this exclusively for long periods of time and of course i know every once in a while you'll go off for like a week or a vacation or something like that, that like that happens but over the long haul that will start to clear up that makes sense it does it does um because you know it's hard for me to relay my experience because at this point i've been on carb night or carb backloading for 25 years so i don't experience these things anymore i remember them but i don't you know i don't experience them anymore and it's you know i've just been on it so long my my body is past all of those roadblocks so you know you just have to understand that you will get past those those kind of issues but they they will take time Uh, i i was just really lucky that i started this so long ago right why does uh why does pizza make me feel so bad is it the yeast hmm uh well describe what you mean by so bad like if I have pizza on a carb night, it is like excruciating to pass those carbs those those three days. Like it, I don't know why I have this like tingling. Like I said, I just try to describe it as like there's this glue in me that's trying to get out. Hmm, that's the yeast or the you know the whatever they use to make the dough. I uh, you know it could be. Um, I mean, pizzas, this is another hard one for me because pizza is one of my go-tos. It's like, it always makes me feel the best on the carb night and the day after the carb night. Like it's, it's one of my go-tos and to be honest, not a lot of people have problem with pizza. Okay. Um, so I, if I had to just, I'm just stabbing at the dark or in the dark on this one. Well, no, actually, I don't even have a. I, I'd have to think about it with everything else. Well, I have uh, to tell you, I, I didn't mention this, but my 13-year-old daughter is, like, exactly like me. Like, she has a lot of the same sensitivities and things, and, you know, you can just tell, and it's always been that way. And her and I are both. If we have pizza, we're like, we're going to pay for this <laughs> the next three days. Like, hmm. 
you know, we know um, it, it's there's something in there that it's just like the dough or the yeast or something is like it just our body. It has a hard time extracting. So I just thought. Yeah, it, yeah no, I I mean, so, well, that complicates things um, because it's also your daughter. I mean, for you, it could easily be explained by, you know, you you had a damaging metabolic situation for a long time. So it doesn't surprise me that your digestive tract could still have issues with carbohydrates, especially bread. Uh, bread's heavy for most people. Um, but your daughter. Now, having said that, if I have a burger with a bun, that's one of my favorites. That makes me feel the best. Or yeah, like, you know, it, it, it could just be the over. I mean, I assume when you have the pizza, you're not eating a steak with it, right? You're just having the pizza. Uh, I like Is to have correct? some wings, but maybe, you know, half a dozen wings. Oh, yeah. Well, we, well maybe it's the wings. No, I, it's no, not the pizza. <laughs> I don't eat wings all the time. I mean, I, I'd say. You know, our last time we had wings, I would say most of the time we just we would just have pizza and we just don't do it a lot anymore because of that that feeling. So, yeah, I mean, f for you, it, it doesn't it, it's not necessarily a surprise for your daughter, though. Also, um, you know, it could still be related to or she's 13 uh, how long have you, I mean, how much attention did you pay to her diet and your wife is how old she's around your age? I assume. My wife's three years younger than me. I would say when we had our kids, we probably weren't, you know, it was the typical, Hey, we're pregnant and everybody gets fat, you know, Yeah. Uh, this is before you came into our lives. Yeah. <laughs> And we definitely, we definitely, you know, all of us, although my, you know, they eat more carbs, but we definitely kind of monitor it and we try not to have a lot of bad stuff around the house and we try to keep carbs low at breakfast. But I just, yeah. my daughter through her whole life, it's like you look at her and you say, you have my exact metabolism, just like I know I have my dad's. Um, yeah. feel, that's how I feel. I don't know if that's scientifically accurate. Um, you, scientifically you have more of your mom's but it's manifesting to make you feel more like your dad okay now my son is 15 again he's a boy and he definitely can eat more carbs and he's very lean and he definitely and my my wife's the same way you would say how do you feel after eating that and they, they always would say all oh, the same I don't have any different where me it's like and my daughter oh we're having pizza tonight that's trouble or you know it could be a host of things or we're, we're having ice cream with dinner it's a lot of carbs we're not going to feel good the next couple of days so yeah so one hard thing in looking at family members and how they they react so first of all you know you're crossing lines so you're a male your daughter's a female you guys use carbohydrates completely different right so, so that's the first thing to keep in mind so her issues with pizza aren't necessarily related to your issues with pizza that that doesn't mean they're not they could be but your 
you're taking in a broad spectrum of functionalities and then you're complicating it with a lot of variables and then you're trying to look for similarities and you know you're going there are going to be some similarities that aren't necessarily connected um that's just one thing to keep in mind yeah and and i'm I'm not saying they're not connected they very well could be yeah you know i understand it's anecdotal but it just seems so coincidental that you know what i mean well that's exactly the right word it's coincidental Uh, well, but, I, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, you know, women, especially, you know, what, she's 13. So obviously oh. I don't want to make this sound like super personal, but she's entering puberty. So her oh. hormones are changing when women hit puberty. Uh, the estrogen immediately starts eating away at their muscle mass and very quickly changes how they process carbohydrates. So. I don't know if she's had this issue all of her life or all of a sudden it seems to have become a bigger issue than it used to be with the pizza that that's that's what I would expect normally um, if I didn't have any information about you then that wouldn't surprise me about her at her age eating carbohydrates because her body is metabolically and physiologically changing in all the ways that most affect carbohydrate usage. Okay. Um, so there's also that to consider on top of, you know, what you're seeing correlation wise. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, basically all of this I'm trying to say is like, there's no way I can answer these questions. <laughs> you know, and it's, I'm sitting here thinking about this when we had our son, I mean, my wife really, um, you know, I would say we ate really a lot worse. And again, he seems more, you know, not affected by these things and he's leaner, but he is a boy and she's a girl. So, yeah, like you're saying, who knows, right? It's just coincidence. Also that, but you had your son three years earlier, correct? Right. So, and I'm assuming that you're, like you said, it was before you really knew much about my work or you know the work of ketogenics kind of stuff or whatever so your your wife also had another three years of increasing her disease state before having your daughter correct so you know these legacy issues build up that's why every generation in the united states since the 1960s keeps getting fatter it's not just because kids are eating more because it turns out they're actually not eating that much more than they did in the 1920s. The problem is every generation is being born deeper in the disease state and the first symptom, the first visual symptom of the disease state is excess body fat. So every generation you would expect to get fatter if they're on a diet that's making them metabolically sick in every generation. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, so so there you know there's a very big picture to look at behind all of this and then we're trying to narrow down on your family and then in your family we're trying to narrow down on each family member and two of your family members are of a gener- different generation than you and your wife. So 
you know, there's, there's a lot of stuff going on there. And that's why I'm just taking the easy way out and saying, I just can't answer. Sure. I understand. Okay. So I feel really good about it. I mean, I, 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 the adjustments to my diet, um, we'll try to get that prescription. Um, if uh, not, if you can't, uh, well, I'm going to cut this part out. And, and to go along with that, you know, I, I had in here, you know, I know you've talked, but there's no need for, for doing anything else like EMP or any of that other stuff you talk about. No, 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 no. I, you know. Keep it natural. Yeah, well, DNP is a really interesting chemical. Um, but I would say at the moment let's go the let's take care of the lowest hanging fruit which is your diet and then the next the next kind of low hanging fruit is your workouts which are pretty close to to spot on for what you're trying to do for your schedule and then the hormonal profile which is coupled to your diet and then if things aren't working then that's when you start to look at okay well one likely reason it's not working is your mitochondrial damage could be pretty intense and in that situation using small doses of something like dnp could have massive benefits okay okay um, be because they can it can also especially coupled with your training it can instigate the repair of muscle tissue which gives you new mitochondria okay so it in that scenario pulling out pulling that trick out of the bag is worth exploring but right now it's not okay well if you if you tell me what to get and help me get, show me where to get it i will definitely get it and then i had planned on getting labs done after the first of the year mm -hmm. so like two and a half months away. So I think that would be right. A great, I'm going to work really hard. And if something's not happening, can you put in there or, or message me on what those other things you were looking for? And would those be helpful at that point? Um, we're asking about having something else done in the labs. Oh yeah. yeah. Just, yeah. I'll, all right. I wasn't sure exactly <laughs> what you were asking about there for a second yeah yeah i'll uh really it's luteinizing hormone i'll put that in yeah uh in the message i'll have support send you something they have your email hopefully um, by the end of the year it'll be a moot point i mean do you think making these changes or I'll, I'll start to see some pretty you know quicker results yeah well yeah, I mean, right now you're at a place where I just wouldn't expect you to see any results at all. Okay. Um, and, and I wouldn't expect to see you get fat either. Like you're right at that equilibrium point and, you know, making those changes, it's going to get you moving in the right direction. So you, you will see changes. How uh, much, how much weight do you think? I would lose. I mean, I don't know how to do the calculations, but that's always been a, a weird thing. You know, you, you would always say, don't really watch the scale. I mean, is it going from 230 to 220? Is it 215? I mean, do you have a, just a general idea of that? Uh, so 
if you were super fat, it'd be an easy question to answer. Um, <laughs> so if I'm but, two th- 20% body fat, right? I mean, I'm. Well, the problem is you were bigger. Okay. So what, so the situation you're in to describe it at a pretty fine detail is you have a lot of fat cells that are small and not really full. All right. So that's important because if a fat cell is really full, it is super responsive to any stress hormones, cortisol, the catecholamines, it's really primed to release its fat. Once they empty out to a certain degree, the biggest ones empty out first. So when you have, when you're in your situation, what you're actually left with are a bunch of fat cells that are not really that full. And when that that happens, they're not, what? Is that why it's like kind of that soft, kind of squishy, blubbery type of fat? Uh, yeah, I mean... It feels like that because, yeah, all that support tissue that you ha- that you grew in between it and everything is holding together now fat cells that are much emptier. So, yeah, it's like, um, yeah, that y- in your mind you're imagining the right thing um, from how you described it. So once the fat cells get like that, they become actually very resistant to catecholamines and cortisol. And so it changes the dynamics radically. And for each individual, in when you get into that range, I, I really can't tell you for sure. I would expect you to lose 10 pounds by January with these changes. I would expect that. Okay. But that has a plus or minus five pounds. Okay. In, in your situation. Okay. That's why I say if you were super fat, it's easy because all your fat cells are f- – are really full so they're just going to dump their fat like crazy um but you're not in that situation you're in the situation where they're very reluctant to release the fat well and i think you know as you as i've said it's like that last 10 or 15 pounds just will not go away and that's what it sounds like you're describing to me yeah and like i said at, you know at that point that's when a lot of factors come into play to regulate how fast you can lose that remaining fat. So that's why at that point, you know, it's a total guessing game. And that's where software like, you know, body AI is really important because depending on what's going on, as you give it updates, it can then go back and kind of figure out what regime you're in. So it can tweak itself to realistic expectations instead of, you know, these large error bars of plus or minus five pounds centered around a 10 pound loss. You know, that's, that's not a great estimate. Right. Um, But that's, that's kind of the best I could do at the moment. Okay. And just one more time to follow up, you know, as far as when to have carbs, like, if I'm feeling depleted, it's okay. I don't have to be like strict of I've got to go seven days or, or, Oh, I had carbs at five days. I better do another 10 day orientation. That doesn't really matter. Yeah, correct. Uh, especially with your training, you know, that's since you're training, listening to how you're feeling in that depletion, it sounds like, you know, your body really well. So yeah, it's, it's not screwing anything up or whatever. You're fine. Okay. 
that's awesome. Thank you so much for doing this. It's really a great opportunity. I'm, I'm oh. so- well, I, you know, a, I actually, I really like to talk to people and help them because I know this stuff is super confusing and it's even more confusing when you're in the middle of it. Um, and I don't get to speak this fluent of English for this long very often. <laughs> so it, it's a major treat for me. You know, I have to tell you, I'm a, I'm a golf instructor. I mean, I play and I own my own store, but I, you know, teaching people, you know, you have all this knowledge and I mean, obviously it's on a completely different level on a different um, topic, but it's really difficult to teach people and, you know, you say stuff and, you know, I've probably read your books five, six times. I always go back and, you know, you try to say, what did this guy mean? And, and learning is, this is so valuable to be able to talk one-on-one and, and, and have these questions answered. And I think it's going to help not only me, but a lot of people. Yeah. Well, I'm, I don't know about everybody else who, you know, is listening to this, but I'm really glad I was able to, you know, get, give you the one-on-one information to get you moving in the right direction again. And, and I'm glad I could contribute to uh, keeping you going because we got to keep you going and, and uh, just looking forward to the future. Yeah. I can't even tell you how helpful it was. So, you know, I very, very much appreciate the support. Awesome. So you'll message me those few things. And then um, if something's not going wrong, you know, and I have labs done again, I can send those to you just for maybe one follow-up email or something. Yeah. Yeah. Whenever you get your next labs, I can take a look. And if, you know, stuff seems to be going off the rails in four weeks, uh, send an email and I'll, I'll kind of brainstorm on, on what it is that, that could be going wrong. So, you know, if there's some other adjustments that need to be made, we can make them. Awesome. What's, uh, what's your, what is your, uh, forecast for body AI being released? Fully? I, you know, <laughs> super soon. Like I, Good. Because your forecasts have been right out of the past. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. Well, <laughs> you know, it was just the most disastrous situation of, you know, there are problems with the, sh- with the move, and we figured those out, but those just weren't all the problems. I mean, some of the problems were that the bat, the test, um, the, oh, my gosh, my, my brain's not working for computer stuff anymore now. Um the test suite that, you know, you run everything through to look for all the bugs and stuff like that. It was specifically written because I didn't write the test suite, but the test suite was written to work around the parts that weren't ever done. Okay. So like, I never even saw that until having to get into it. And it's like, well, you know, what the hell? Yeah. Um, so it's just, yeah. I wrote a book and I'm doing a golf online program. It's a book with videos. And mm-hmm. yeah, if you would have asked me like two years ago, I would have been like, yeah, we'll be done in like three months. <laughs> well, that's what we keep getting to this point. I'm like, ah, oh, okay. All that stuff's cleared out. Now we can, you know, get down. And it's like, why isn't it like, why isn't this working? Why are we, it's, it's like, what the hell's going on? And then it's like, well, well, that's a big problem. That piece of code's not even in, in existence. And it's not like a day. It's like two months of work. Yeah. Well, like 
the last couple of days, you know, I've been busting my ass and I thought, I thought we would be at a different place Sunday. And I've, you know, kind of felt defeated again over the last few days because there's like so much legacy code that's not working for reasons. So I've just been rewriting code that's already there and updating it. And it's like, you know, it's driving me crazy because it's, it feels like spinning your wheels. Yeah. You'll get there. Just keep plugging. Yeah. Well, you know, regardless, you know, if I'm on my last dime and can't even buy food for myself, I'm going to get this done because I want to see it out there and people using it. You know, even if like my company blows up after a month of people using it and like I have to jump off my balcony because I have no other options in life, I am going to get it done so that people can use it. (laughs) Like it's my only goal in life right now. Yeah. And I think it's. (laughs) I feel the same way. And, and when it does get done, I think it's going to be even better than you think or can imagine. Oh, I, well, I'm just going to feel so relieved. The world's going to look different. When are you coming back to America ever? Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, when I left, I had no agenda for when I would be back. Okay. Cause I just, you know, I really want to explore the world and obviously my leg and COVID have put a big dampener on that, but you know, it's so much easier to travel the world once you're already out in it. Uh huh. Um, but I assume with my new book. So after I get the software done and I get the new book out, I assume I'll be back in the States for a couple months to try to do podcasts and promote it and stuff like that. Yeah. Great. All right, man. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you. You went way over your time. I'm super appreciative. And uh, oh, no worries. Thanks, Kiefer, man. Appreciate you, brother. Yeah, no, great. Great talking to you, David. Okay. Good luck. All right. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye.